0: Hi there and thanks for joining us. Another very different episode of Red Business this week and what a big change we've had even in the last seven days since we spoke last. We've seen The pub's all closing, we've seen more businesses shutting up shop, retail in a very different space and a change in how we all live our lives. It's all for very good reason, but you can understand why there's so much anxiety out there about what might happen next and what businesses need to do now to protect themselves and their staff going forward. So, on another special edition of the podcast. We're going to look at the travel industry. We're going to look at the law and how it has changed so dramatically even in the last couple of days. And we speak to one family business that is already looking to the future beyond COVID-19. I'm Jonathan Healy and this is Red Business.
1: The Red Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy and McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie.
0: So we certainly are living in interesting times and the law is evolving relatively quickly to try and come to terms with the scale of the COVID-19 crisis. And that includes new legislation being passed in a hurry by a Doyle that actually doesn't have a, a government that represents that Doyle. It's a very weird landscape, but to try and cut through some of the legal aspects of this, I'm joined by Sarah Slevin, who is a solicitor with Ronan Daily German. How are you doing, Sarah?
1: Jonathan, how are you? I'm very well. I hope
0: you're Um, keeping well. I'm good as well, thank God. Um, Look, these emergency measures that have been provided for, let's talk through them first of all. What exactly uh, has the Doyle implemented uh, as measures that may or may not be needed over the course of the next little while?
1: Certainly. Well, I suppose to, to go back to the beginning, we, we, we've had an act in our, uh, in our legislation since 1947 called the Health Act 1947, and there were, there were certain uh, powers, I suppose you might call them, available to the government of the day under that legislation when it comes to infectious diseases and you might have seen back in in, in february that that's simon harris the the minister for health he designated covid-19 as an infectious disease for the purpose of this legislation so this gave rise to certain uh, notification requirements for medical practitioners when they come across uh, uh, or, or when they diagnose a patient with COVID-19 but as well as that it brought COVID-19 within the scope of this legislation. Now, this legislation as I say gave certain powers to medical professionals and to the Minister for Health but they were somewhat limited and I suppose somewhat dated and, and of their time. For example they spoke about people being uh, probable sources of infection and effectively, that means that you'd have to have the infection itself, so the powers weren't exactly appropriate for what we're seeing now. So what the Dáil did, and what passed last night, speaking today, Friday, it, it, it passed an Act which introduced new sections into that 1947 Act, and the powers that are given to the Minister and to medical professionals under that Uh, those those amendments to the legislation are somewhat broader. In fact, they're they're much broader than would have been the case under just the 1947 Act.
0: So what do they allow for then? What what have they changed? So effectively, there are three
1: main parts to this, right? You have the first part wherein the Minister for Health can make regulations and he can effectively restrict Um, society in a a, a number of different ways and I'll come back to that so that's that's number one. Number two is the Minister for Health can designate certain areas as affected areas or given affected areas order as it's called under the 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 legislation and this means that if you have a certain area in the country that is particularly affected by COVID-19 there's a higher rate of community transmission it can be designated as such and that allows further powers to be used in respect to that area. The third part then and the part that's probably garnered a lot of uh, media uh, interest is the power to effectively detain people if they are uh, regarded as a potential risk of, of, of transmission. So they're the three main elements that are introduced in terms of enforcement powers under, under the, the changes mm. to legislation.
0: Now, uh, to be fair, I don't think even a fortnight ago we would have imagined how restricted our society would have become as it is today like restricting it further is another step what does that mean like we know it in america they've they've issued shelter in place orders which means you stay at home you can you're not allowed to leave could we be looking at something like that <laughs>
1: Well, yes. And look, we can't speculate as to the extent the powers will be used. But again, to bring it back slightly, we'll all know that the pubs and and clubs and all that have been closed by way of uh, government directive for a number of days now. And a lot of shops are shutting down. But there there are no real uh, enforcement powers underlying that. So in terms of what can be done, the minister can make regulations and he can say, right, we now need to impose certain restrictions and be able to enforce those restrictions when it comes to a broad range of, of uh, activities within the society. So restrictions can be imposed on travel to, from the state. Restrictions can also be imposed on travel within the state. And that that comes back to what I was talking about when it, uh, in terms of affected areas and, and a, an affected areas order. So if an, if an order is made in respect of a particular area of the state, the Minister for Health can impose restrictions on travel to that part of the state or even within that part of the state.
0: Okay, so in other words, it it would be only used if something very bad happened and and it's just to have it in the legislative arsenal that's there. Companies right now are are wondering what to do, particularly in the retail space. We've seen some movement uh, on big retail of making decisions. I'm guessing we're at the point where common sense needs to prevail here. Uh, if if you need to be open, you need to be open. If you don't need to be open, maybe now is the time to to make a call. Um, and and that's not to do with the legislation, but to do with the the mood music around all of this. Sarah, how how much should people be paying attention to the mood music as much as the law? <laughs>
1: Well, look again. It's very difficult to speculate as to how um, how this how this will progress in the next couple of days. We we couldn't have anticipated where we are a couple of weeks ago. At the moment, these, this this uh, this uh, act, once it's once it's passed, hopefully by the shadow today, and maybe signed into law uh, over the weekend, this just gives the minister the power to make the regulation. So he do, he he has the power but he hasn't made those regulations yet. So what the minister, I imagine, will be doing is is looking at what's coming down the tracks, how the disease progresses, and if it becomes necessary, he will make regulations that allow him to use the powers, the ones that I mentioned earlier, as well as powers on restricting uh, working uh, working times, shutting down events, shutting down premises. He will do that if he needs to do it. So at the moment, businesses just need to look at uh, what the risks are in terms of their own business, the people coming in and out, what they can do. Okay. At the, so, at the so, moment, there isn't going to be any enforcement uh, of the. So, in, oth- in other it words, may uh, come.
0: yeah, using layman's terms, up till now, largely voluntary. If things escalate, the law will allow for things to be closed and the and the decision to be taken out of your hands. Sarah, I mean, look, it's a long time since I studied constitutional law. You're practising as a sinister. <laughs> you may remember that we had an election a few weeks ago. We still don't have a government, but the the constitution and and I suppose we have to thank the drafters for this allows for the government that was there to remain in place until such time as a new government is formed and that was to allow for an emergency that couldn't be foreseen so that there was always a continuity of power. Very grateful to the people who put that into the Constitution back in 37 today aren't we?
1: Exactly we are and look it is obviously a, an unprecedented time and the fact that this bill has passed through the, the doll and is now in the Shannon in the course of really a matter of hours rather than even a matter of days is quite remarkable. Um, there are provisions made under the Constitution for passing emergency legislation where, where necessary. Now there is Article 24 which isn't quite applicable here it talks about wartime and so on and uh, as dramatic as this might be we're not we're not quite in a a war situation yet um if for whatever reason for example today the the shannon delayed the passing of the bill and that's not to say they will we we don't know but we can't imagine that they would there is uh, provision under Article 28 for the, the, the powers of the Shannon to be um, restricted in terms of how much time they can spend debating and and, and and so on when it comes to the bill. But yeah, look, we have seen over the past couple of days that, for example, the Irish Council for, for Civil Liberties have come out and as, as is their remit, they have they have looked at this and they have questioned certain elements of, of, of the bill and how necessary they are. And we we'll have seen last night that in, in the Dáil there was introduced a sunset clause into this uh, in, in, into this legislation. So in uh, six months time on the, the, the 9th, I believe it is, or the 8th of November 2020, this legislation will effectively need to be passed again by Dole if, if it is going to continue. So that's an important protection that you get in there as well. Um, okay. so yeah, of course, there's a constitutional element
0: here. Sarah, how are you getting on working from home? Is it very different in the legal profession? I mean, normally you're used to having an office and the people and the colleagues around you. Is, is it more unusual to have to do a lot more of this kind of thing remotely?
1: Uh, it is. I look I'm somebody who enjoys going into the office and we've 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 great colleagues in there and it's 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 good to get in and, and meet people. But look we, we, we need to do what we need to do. The legal profession is one I think that is is certainly capable of of continuing insofar as it can uh when with with its staff working from home and certainly our offices are fully open and functioning and we have uh, insofar as again our, our clients are capable of doing it, we're we're working away and we're 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 keeping keeping things afloat. Um it's certainly different working from home, I'm I'm calling you from from my, my bedroom um which I wouldn't normally be doing but uh, hey I,
0: I, I'm I, by the way I'm in my hot press this is a whole different regime press. for all of us So <laughs> it must be
1: very warm in there Jonathan
0: it is a little warm to be fair look Sarah uh, thank you so much for talking us through the legalities of this the law is there We'll wait and see over the next few weeks whether it's used or not, and and glad to hear RTJ is continuing on as it always has. Uh, Sarah Slevin, solicitor with Roland Daily German. Thanks for joining us in Red Business.
1: Thanks, Jonathan. Red Business with McCarthy Insurance Group, putting business in Cork first. mig.ie.
0: Now, one of my favourite things to do as I head into spring is to head to Dripsy to go and have a look around Griffin's Garden Centre just to see what lovely plants that they have that I will be able to kill off over the subsequent months. It's therapeutic in many ways and I have to say it's a place that I would love to be right now but I can't uh, but I can speak with Margaret Griffin the owner of Griffin's Garden Centre who's on the line. Margaret how are you?
2: I'm great, Jonathan. Good morning. And the sun is shining in dripsy. thank God.
0: And no better place to be if the sun is shining. Mar- Margaret, you, you have your finger on the pulse in more ways than one. You're very much in touch with nature down there, but you're also in touch with the pulse of the nation and the pulse of the shoppers coming through the door. What has it been like over the course of the last few weeks?
2: OK, I suppose, you know, um, the way we're looking at it here is that we've got to convince ourselves on a day-to-day basis that everything is okay, it's going to be a natural day but with just different changes because obviously we have to keep everybody safe, we have to get across to people that they have to abide by the guidelines of the HSE in order for the garden centre to stay open because at any stage that we think it's not safe to be open we will just have to close. It will break our heart but we will have to do it because this really isn't about business anymore. It's about people and you know we have to look at it like that so you know we urge everybody that comes to us to it's we have to apply the rules that are given to us and we are applying them and we're applying them very stringently and it's like military precision you know we have the tapes on the ground and you cannot go beyond that ground when uh, that line when you're coming to the till so it is very different for us because we are very um, up close and natural, I suppose. You know, we converse with people a lot. And I suppose, like I always say to people, I, I run a very good business, but I'm not what you'd call a business person. I never class myself to be, if I were a business person, I would have a chain of garden centres all over Ireland. Um, and I would have done that probably 15 years ago. But I chose, look, I love what I'm doing. I love my family. I want to spend a bit of time with my family because when you're in the gardening business, it consumes your whole life. It's very much, you know, it's very time consuming. It's very labor intensive. Mm. So I wanted to spend some time with my family. So I have this lovely place in Dripsy, which I love. And the reason I started in Dripsy, it wouldn't be a bit from a business point of view, it would not be the right place to start. 30 years ago because obviously it's a quiet place it doesn't have footfall doesn't it's not on a very busy road but it's who I am it's where I came from my father came from my grandfather you know it's part of what I am it's my DNA and like it's such a beautiful natural place and every day in the garden centre we have people coming up to us you know and now, they don't shake our hands now, but, you know, before this health crisis, they come up and shake our hands and just not my hand, but all the staff and say, you know, thank you for creating this beautiful place. You know, and they're talking about the gardens and the flowers, but they're talking more about that, more, uh, more than about that, they're talking about the way we treat people because our ethos, I suppose, is, you know, treat everybody as you would like to be treated yourself. So... To us, all our customers are family, and we have to, our thinking is us always, we never know who steps inside the door. It might be somebody that's ill at the moment and only have a few days to live. So, you know, you've got to treat everybody really special. Mm-hmm. And that's how we eat us here. It works for us. It works for our customers. And it's a very special bonding. Now, we don't want to break that bonding but we have to apply
0: the rules. And can I ask you, Margaret, are people respecting those rules? Because I think that's the key question people are asking right now, is if, look, you're continuing to to open and trade uh, for as long as you can. Um, Are people respecting the social distancing rules? Are they looking at the tape on the ground and saying, I'm going to stay here because I know if I go beyond that, I'm breaking that rule? To a
2: degree, they are. But, you know, Ireland as a nation, we love chatting. We love being close to people so everybody stays behind the tape for a few minutes and then you get talking. So again we have to keep saying, remember now we must remember the two metres guideline. You know, so it's I suppose for us it's such a personal business here and but yes, to answer your question, Janet, and people are conscious of it. Now I there's one thing I would ask people not to bring children to the garden centre.
0: Okay, and that's because. not because you don't like children, it's just because no, it's it's harder children. it's it's harder for them to enforce the rule because they don't understand the importance of it as much as you and I might.
2: Yes, and as well, I don't want to be frightening children because this must be really frightening for children, so I don't want to be saying to a parent, look, we can't have children here because it's dangerous for that older person over there to have a child near them. So that's going to frighten the child as mm-hmm. well. So I think Parents need to have the knowledge that, look, if they need to come to the garden centre to buy something because they want to spend time outside with their kids, which is great, and it, that, that's the power of gardening. Power gardening will help us both physically and mentally to get through this. But please leave your children at home. Get some. If you can, if not, ring us and say, look, I have a child in the car. Can you help me to get this and this to the car? and collect. We can do all that but Hmm. please don't bring the children to the garden centre. You
0: you made a very difficult decision to close Granny Griffin's restaurant which is a fantastic spot for breakfast and and you've got amazing cakes and again I've eaten too many of them over the years. Uh, That must have been a very difficult call for you, was it? It broke our heart
2: that evening, yeah. Um, It was very difficult, yeah. Not only the restaurant but I think the staff You know, and I suppose while I started out in Dripsy, it's like it's such a family thing. The brand name Granny Griffin is to remember my mum who baked the best apple tart ever and the best brown bread. So that comes through in the whole story of Griffin. And then the gardening comes from my father's side because he was a brilliant gardener and loved his plants. So, but like it broke my heart that way to close the restaurant and it broke my heart for the staff because we have amazing staff and... We have staff from all over the world. So while like, I'm a real nature person, I love being out in the country and I sort of hate cities and things and I didn't travel very much in my life. But while I didn't travel very much in my life, I brought the whole world to Dripsy. Like we have people from Spanish people, French people, South African, Chilean, Russian, Polish, from all over the place have come to work with us. And, you know, the one thing I realise is no matter f- where somebody comes from, we're actually all the same. Everybody's the same. We have the same needs, the same wants. So, uh, yeah, it has broken my heart to mm. have the restaurant well, um, closed because we have such good staff down there. I know. And you probably know that, John. I know that very Trust
0: there. me, I know very well from being there. Uh, look, uh, uh, on the actual garden centre side of this, Margaret, uh, this is your this was going to be your busy time. It is your busy time. This is when everything comes uh, out uh, and you start gearing up for the summer. Um, like, what are you going to do with all that stock? Are you still hopeful that you'll be able to shift that stock in some way, if not in the traditional way you've always done it, but some way that you'll be able to get that stock out?
2: Yeah, and I suppose, you know, in business, like we've come through very hard times and um, and I suppose when you're a grower, and it's like being a farmer, your resilience is great because... When You sow a seed, you don't know will it come, you just have to sit and wait and hope that it will come. So, you're dependent, you're depending so much on nature and the weather. And this spring, like, while it was a very mild winter, it was a very late spring and very wet spring. So, we had a double whammy like, the weather was so bad all along, it was very quiet in gardening, nobody has done much gardening. And then, with the health crisis, this has extended that. But look, we've got to look at this as we've got to have hope that things will work out we know it's going to be a very different year and um, i suppose because we grow our own plants it's 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 so difficult on us as well because we have like two hundred thousand plants there in the nursery that will be ready to put out in another few weeks so we're just um john in the nursery is just doing his day-to-day thing looking after the plants as if all is going to come right and that's the only way we can look at it we're hoping that we will sell those plans somehow. But look, we have to look after all our staff as well. Mm. So I think there's a little bit of, we can't be selfish. We have to be selfless in this. Our staff have to pay their bills. They have um, mortgages to pay, rent to pay. So it's, and I know they will get assistance of the 203 euros from the government. Now, um, last night I was a bit upset because I heard if we give them anything extra, we lose that 2 or 3, but I think that's being looked at again today because nobody can live
0: on 203 mm. euros. Well, it, Margaret, it's, it's a frightening time for every business. Uh, look, I for one, even if I don't get to talk to you or shake your hand or even see you and I just have to do a drive-by and open the boot and you throw flowers in uh, and I pay by card... I'm going to be out to you uh, to make sure the summer John's plants end up here and I look forward to the day when we have a cup of tea in Granny Griffin's. But for now, Margaret Griffin, owner of Griffin's Garden Centre in Dripsy. Um, What is the website, Margaret, if people want to have a look and see what you have online there and and keep up to date with all the information you have?
2: Yeah, you can look at the website. Uh, It's just www.griffinsgardencentre. Facebook pages is being updated daily. But I think the message I want to give across to people is that the power of gardening is huge. And even already we can see families like spending, having the opportunity to spend quality time together. Kids are now being creative again. So there's going to be an awful lot of pluses from this. And I always think, you know, look deep into nature and it will, we, we can learn so much from nature. And to finish on a note, um, Jonathan, I think. The best view comes from the hardest climb. I think we will have a hard climb this spring and summer, but I think the view at the end, God willing, will be terrific.
0: Margaret Griffin, thank you for joining us at Red Business.
2: Thank you, Jonathan, and take care of yourself. The Red Business Podcast with
1: Jonathan Healy and McCarthy Insurance Group, putting business in Cork first. M I G.
2: I E.
0: Well, one industry that is hugely disrupted, of course, is travel as a result of this. There is lots and lots and lots of uncertainty over how long this might go on. And of course, we've got flights grounded, cruises cancelled, and in some cases, people stuck abroad. Um... Well, for an industry perspective on this, we said we talked to Declan Hughes, who's the director of Fly Cruise Stay. Uh, the only active element of that, I'd imagine, at the moment, Declan, is stay, and that's people staying at home. Your industry's been particularly badly hit by the crisis around COVID nineteen.
3: Absolutely, Jonathan, it's effectively fallen off a cliff, truth be told, and we are encouraging our everybody, uh, particularly uh, you know, our valued clients uh, on social to stay at home. You know, for the last two weeks. We stopped promoting travel, we we obviously, you know, we, we decided to become a resource uh, and advise people, you know, from reliable, reputed, reputable sources that, you know, that uh, COVID-19 is a very serious matter and we should hunker down, you know, short-term pain, long-term gain and all that. And when it comes to illness, prevention is better than cure. So... we're we're sharing some stuff on social, we're not promoting any travel deals obviously and we're, you know, providing a bit of light inspiration as well by putting some images out there of some nice places around the world when, uh, you know, travel eventually will pick up and it will but uh, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to in this until, let's say, early September at the, at the earliest.
0: Well, what's fascinated me is how the world has become a hell of a lot smaller really, really quickly. After all of our years of expounding our virtues as an island nation that can travel abroad, we're back to being an island nation. And, and while this goes on, we're very happy for that to be the case. But then that has an impact on the people who work in the airlines, on those who would have benefited from the 100 cruise liners that were due to come into Cove, for example, over the course of the next couple of months. It's going to be a very difficult period ahead for the industry. What, what do you think needs to be done to support those most acutely affected uh, by these changes?
3: I, I think the government needs to take a look at who needs, uh, you know, obviously some companies need priority more than others. I mean, I know, for example, Ryanair has a, is a 4 billion euro cash reserve, so they can weather it out more so than say, a particularly smaller airline might. But uh, we, we we really do need to look at um, stopping flights in and out of Ireland, unless they're repatriation flights, right? We really do need to look at that at this stage i mean if you look at what's happening in italy right now it's alarming so we have this window of opportunity to, to as i said prevent uh, anything is uh, on a scale of, this is once in a lifetime event john this is not a drill this is very real and it's quite scary now you know as the world health organization says be alert not alarmed you know so we need to focus on what needs to be done but if you look at it now or yesterday Erlingus. lingus Um, put uh, all their staff on a 50% pay cut and cut their hours in half for the foreseeable future. Um, A lot of the traditional travel agents um, are probably might not last. Hopefully they will. I'd like to see everybody retain their their jobs. But uh, it seems to be a very critical situation now as regards where the travel industry is headed and as i said earlier it is effectively fallen off a cliff Jonathan truth be told uh, the,
0: the questions that people as consumers will have will be what about the holiday i've already half paid for or i've already paid for um obviously at the moment are insurance companies paying out for stuff that is immediately cancelled i.e the stuff in the next couple of weeks uh, and, and what should people do about their summer holidays if they've already put money down or paid them off
3: well, I know a lot of the airlines and the tour operators are allowing a greater levels of flexibility, uh, allowing people to change uh, the dates of their flights and of their holidays uh, to a later date, obviously, which is which is great. But in terms of refunds, I think they should also allow them the option of a refund. Now, I, I know some of the airlines are looking at trying to... Aer Lingus, um, again, yesterday said that they'll, they'll you know, if, if you wish... You can get a voucher to the value of your flight and they'll add an extra 10% differential on top as a bonus and with uh, an expiry date of five years. Right. So you can use it anytime within five years, which is a good thing. But I mean, I think really if people are looking for refunds, they should be allowed to get the refunds because, you know, a lot of people now are going to be out of a job, so cash flow is going to be very tight in the household. I know there's a, there's a possible moratorium is there on and mortgage repayments and all for three months. It's, that's coming down the tracks, which is good for for everybody. But I think you know, at the end of the day, people need to be put ahead of everybody else because this is uh, we're at a critical stage now, Jonathan. Whereby there's a high level of uncertainty, you know, uh, going into the next couple of weeks as to what
0: happens next and Declan how how worried are you for your business right now I mean you are dependent on this sector it's gone off a cliff it will bounce back at some point because we will we mm. will get ahead of COVID-19 but we just don't know what when that will be C- can you trade through are you going to have to stop at some point and, and and take stock or have have you thought that far ahead
3: well, I'm one of the lucky ones, and so far, as our business model is quite robust, the way in which it was it was built. You know, we're seven years in business, and uh, we actually turned down a buy offer from an equity based uh, Toronto uh, house last week. Uh, last sorry, last November, and uh, you know the the thing is, I you know I have a low mortgage, don't have any big bills. You know, uh, everything is automated. If we can see this through. We'll probably come out stronger. Uh, funnily enough, John. All all jokes aside, and I am an optimistic kind of guy. I think. The biggest blue chip companies were built during recessionary periods, and uh, we we will be we will still be in business uh, come the other side of this, no doubt.
0: Okay. Well, Declan Hughes, director of Fly Cruise Day, thank you for your advice. I wish you the best of luck, and uh, here here's looking forward to booking those holidays with a bit more confidence in the future.
3: Cheers, Jonathan. Thank you.
0: My thanks to Declan, to Sarah, and to Margaret, and we wish them the very best of luck in the times ahead. If you want to take part in this podcast, if you have a message for the people of Cork, drop me an email, redbusiness at redfm.ie or at Jonathan Healy will get me on Twitter. Niamh Hennessy was the producer. All the episodes are up on redextra.ie, and we'll catch you on the next one.
1: The Red Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy and McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie.